It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the creator of the Ag Ship. It's a credential newsletter covering Utah State football, men's basketball, and women's basketball delivered straight to your inbox for $6 a month. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. Uh, if you already are subscribed, thank you very much for your support. It would be much appreciated if you told a friend, um, perhaps one who likes the Aggies. There's a lot of Utah State stuff to talk about right now. Um, and folks, at long last, I'm back here on the podcast in the audio form to uh, to do that, to talk about the Aggies, to talk about Utah State. I have been away from the microphone for a minute. Uh, I apologize for my absence. Um, it's been a whole lot of things. It has been feeling sick. It's been just not having time. The, the basketball, the both basketball seasons and football season being in the regular season um, stretch of weeks was... I would say not great for the amount of time that I had to sit down and record a, a 30 to 45 minute podcast. Um, and, uh, it just sort of, it just kind of fell by the wayside. If I'm being honest, I apologize. Um, hoping that I will be able to do it more consistently. Now I have talked about wanting to do a basketball season schedule of the show where I do one sort of, uh, kind of a preview show at the beginning of the week. And then, a a recap show near the end of the week. I still don't know exactly what that would look like. It would probably be dynamic based on whatever the weeks of basketball actually look like. Um, I will, I will try to get that sorted here moving forward. This is going to be kind of one of those episodes, sort of a hybrid. I'm not going to backlog a whole bunch here. I'm not going to go back and talk about games that I've not talked about yet a ton. I'm not going to go super far back. I'm going to talk about the most recent stuff with basketball. Um, Football, I think I've probably missed the. Uh, I think I've probably missed that one. I think that that has has just about passed us by here on the pot for the sake of the podcast. I think you all know basically what has gone on with football. Again, I apologize. I was um, I was in Ohio. I was sick. I was any number of things, and I just I just did not get around to doing the podcast. Um, hopefully. We'll be more consistent with it moving forward. That is the goal. Uh, I would like to be more consistent with it moving forward. The premium show will be coming soon, within the next couple of, probably the next week or so. I will send out questions or send out the call for questions for that, and then I will send out that Q and A episode if you have questions for that. Uh, but you are not subscribed, and you would like to get in on that. That is at the ten dollar tier, which is also going to get you film reviews and film previews, which I should probably talk about here real quick. What those are going to look like for basketball season. Um, cause there's only one more football game to film preview and then, uh, you know, to film review and it's the bowl game against Memphis, which I will preview on this show at a later date. Uh, as we get a little bit closer to that, I'm, I'm recording this on December 8th. So we've still got almost 20 days until the actual, until the bowl game kicks off. I'll be there in Dallas. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but as for basketball season film reviews and film previews, full disclosure, I am not as up on basketball scheme as I am on football scheme. Football is my is my first sport. That is the one that I have covered the most. That's the one I have the most experience with scheme-wise. Basketball, I am learning. I am doing what I can to learn. I'm doing what I can to to be able to break down film um, in a way that I think is valuable, in a way that I think is additive and that, that, that makes sense without, you know, me looking like a, like a dum-dum who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I will be doing film stuff for basketball. I've already written one film review for the men's basketball team. I will be doing those throughout the season. I'm hoping to do one preview, one review per week, like I did with football. Um, I've not gotten into that schedule yet. I will be here shortly. I'm, I'm hoping to do a film review, 
for the uh, men's basketball win over San Francisco uh, tomorrow. As I record this on Thursday night, I'm hoping to get one done for that. I will I will see if I have the ability to do so, but I, I think I should be able to get it done. I'm hoping I can get it done. Um, access to the film is, is going to be important for that. I, I think it's probably up on YouTube at this point. I'll have to look. I've not looked yet. Because um, I do have thoughts about how Utah State won that game specifically on offense. Um, but the the film review and the film preview are not going anywhere, and so those will be both still part of the $10 tier. There is still a reason to subscribe at that tier beyond just the Q&A podcast. You will still get the film review and the film preview. Um, women's team will also have, uh, you know, it'll be one or the other for the film review and the film preview for the teams. It's not going to be specific to one of the teams. It could just be, you know, one week. I think the women's team did something interesting, one week the men's team, so on and so forth. Um the women's team right now, probably not a ton of film to break down, if I'm being honest. One, because there literally isn't film. They have not been on a ton of, I don't think, any televised games. That's going to be rare this season in general, and I'm not sure that there's a whole lot on YouTube. Uh, there's a great account. Let me actually just pull up the account name so I don't just say that there's a great account and then not tell you what the account is. Um, there's a great account that posts pretty much every Utah State like basketball or football game, um, full game, full broadcast, 3520 fun, uh, all one word. If you are this, if you are this, this person who is running 3520 fun, you are a superhero. You, thank you. (laughs) I mean, seriously, it is unbelievably helpful. I could not do what I do without this, this channel. Um, and they post pretty much every Utah state men's basketball or football game. I think they have posted a couple of the women's games, maybe, I feel like I remember there being one or two on there. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look like it. I might be wrong. But uh, I know that they post most, if not all, of the men's games, and I know that they post all of the football games. Very, very good channel. 3520 fun, all one word. Um, very good channel. Thank you. If you are a listener, thank you very, very much for the work that you do. It is, it is invaluable. It is, it is um, hugely, hugely important to what I do. Um, regardless, film reviews, film previews, that is sticking around. That is not going anywhere. Those will be... Those will be uh, just as frequent, hopefully, as they were during the the regular season of, of football. Um, and I will have one, of course, for the bowl game as well. One of one of each, a preview and a review. Um, enough content stuff, though. That's 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 the the that's the plan. Um, we will cross that bridge as we as we get to it. Uh, as for this podcast, I want to do another sort of just state of affairs here with Utah State. I think that there's general things to talk about with both the men's and women's basketball teams. Um, football, I don't have a ton right now because there's not been much of any movement in the portal for Utah State, which I think is interesting in its own right. Um, and like that's, you know that's interesting. I think that that is, I think that that is legitimately, you know, something worth talking about, but I don't know how much I could actually talk about it beyond just that that is the case. I'm, I'm pulling up here to make sure that I'm not missed any major ones. I don't think I have. I think it's been pretty quiet. I, I think Luke Marion is one who is notable. Um, I think that Sako Alofipo, I think is the other one. If I'm remembering correctly, um, I think it was Sako Alafipo was the other one. But uh, beyond that, we've not seen any major ones. 
Um, and I think that's good news. <laughs> Obviously, I think that's good news for Utah State. I would guess this offseason, if they could have it their way, if it would go exactly how Blake Anderson wants it to go, would be pretty quiet at Utah State. They're expecting to return, I think he said 90% of the roster thereabouts. Most of the contributors will be back. They're losing, what, three starters on the offensive line, two starting receivers, a starting running back, but Cooper Legault is going to be back. Robert Briggs is, is a plug-and-play starting running back. Um, Terrell Vaughn is back. The receivers that they're losing, Brian Cobbs was really good, but the other one, not so much. Um, I would guess they probably will be fine out there. That's, that's a, that's a transfer spot. I would say the offensive line, I think could be a potential transfer spot as well, but Cole Motes has plenty of experience. Um, Falapuleyalo has plenty of experience. You can plug in a center. You can plug in a tackle pretty easily. Uh, Waylon Lapuaho is going to be back. Uh, Wade Meacham is going to be back, I believe. And then there's there's depth that you could try to plug into that other the the, the open left tackle spot, or you could go try and find somebody. Uh, I'm not sure what the answer is going to be there right now, but I think either one would be fine. Defensive line is, I think. Uh, entirely intact unless somebody leaves early which I don't expect at this point I don't think any of the guys on the defensive line are going to be leaving early um I think Hale Motoapuaka is already confirmed as coming back uh, I suppose Byron Vaughn's Daniel Greshik could be candidates for leaving but I, I don't I don't see it I don't I don't think they would um maybe Greshik maybe I don't think Vaughn's has had the stats this year I think he's been really good but I think that he would probably benefit from one more year hoping that he can get some of the stats that he could then sell on top of the film his film is his film is very good but it is going to be an uphill battle trying to get a get 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 drafted fairly highly without really any you know sacks as an edge rusher even though we we know from watching him play he's been very good he has been he has pressured the quarterback he's been very good but i think that that could be a concern um, I, I think that he could benefit as well from from establishing his pass rushing moves a little bit more. I'd guess that he's probably going to be back. I'd guess that, Dran- that Daniel Greshik is probably going to be back. Patrick Joyner Jr. I think is probably going to be back. I believe these guys all still have eligibility. None of them were at senior. None of them were recognized on senior day. Um, linebackers, I think AJ Vongfachan and, and uh, MJ Tafisi probably both will be will be back. Uh, Michael Anyanwu is gone at cornerback, but. I think Andre Grayson has another year. I think I, I think AJ Carter has another year. Hunter Reynolds is gone, but Ike Larson should be back. Um, I, I've seen. I, I will say this. Uh, I, I will address two. Um, I, I would say things that I have seen Utah State fans nervous about over these last couple of weeks, uh, and I, I will address both of them right now with pretty much the same answer. Uh, firstly, because I just mentioned him, Ike Larson. I don't think he's going anywhere. I understand, you know, he is, he's a high profile, very good player, very, very good, very young, um, has been getting, he's gotten some all-conference honors, he should have gotten more, he should have been the freshman of the year, Taylor Green was not good this year, I don't know why he gets to be the freshman of the year, he wasn't good, um, I suppose his coach also wasn't good and got to be coach of the year, should have gone to Dirk Cutter if you're going to give it to a coach there, because he's the head coach, um, that's a different story, but, uh, I, on Ike Larson, I, I know that the that the you know oh well he's a hometown kid that that doesn't always mean that a guy's going to stick around but I think our I think our I think Ike Larson is fine I think he's fine where he is from from everything that I know about Ike Larson everything I've gathered from talking to him from the way that the coaches talk about him from just you know knowing about Ike Larson I think he's probably just going to stick around I think he's I think he's got a good thing going at Utah State I think that he's going to be 
one of the stars of the defense next season. He's already kind of one of the stars of the defense this season. You know, have a full off season of work uh, as a starter, as a preparing as a starter. Hopefully, a, a clean bill of health. He's struggled with that this season. Um, I, I think that I think that he would benefit greatly from sticking around at Utah State, and I think he probably thinks the same thing. This is really. I think he has the chance to be a, a, a kind of a, a local, you know, a, a kind of a superstar within the ecosystem at Utah State. I think that he could be the kind of guy, this is not a program that has produced a lot of NIL deals, but I think he could be the kind of guy who breaks through and has some of those local deals. I, I think that that could be something that would make sense for him because I think he's going to be well-known. I think he's going to be very, very popular in Logan. I think he already is. He's a local kid. Um, he's very good. He's very, very good. He plays an exciting brand of football. I don't think Ike Larson's going anywhere. I don't think he has a reason to. I, 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 you know, there's always going to be the, the fear that somebody can, can, can poach a player at this level, you know, somebody at the, at the P5 level, uh, you know, Utah wants to come up the road and, and offer NIL deals or or whatever. There's always going to be that fear, but I don't think that it's based on anything with Ike Larson. I, I don't think that it's, I don't really, at this point, and I could be wrong, I don't think it's worth worrying about. I don't think that it is. I think that Ike Larson is probably in it for the long run with Utah State, and I think Utah State should enjoy every minute they have of him. That is not me saying that because I think he's going to leave. It's me saying that because he's really good. He's really good. He's a rare talent. Rare, rare talent. You should enjoy him while you have him as a pure, just as a football thing, not as a, oh, he'll leave someday. Everybody leaves someday. But I'm not saying that because I think he's going to leave early. I'm saying that because he's really good, and we should appreciate really good players when we get to watch them. And that's that's something I'm trying to be better about is appreciating really good players. Um, he's really good. He's really, really good, and I think he's going to be doing it for Utah State next year and probably the year after that as well. I don't imagine he's going to be a redshirt sophomore getting drafted, but I suppose he could be. Um, he's good. He's a good player. Um, then the other thing is sort of in a similar vein ish. It's about a guy leaving. Um, I have seen the, I've seen the people, I don't know where this came from. The people concerned about Blake Anderson leaving about Blake Anderson, getting another job. Maybe this is dissipated since I, since I heard about it. I, 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 this was, I saw some of this last week. I got a question about this last week that I, I hopefully answered sufficiently. Um, uh, the Blake Anderson leaving thing, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, like I said with like Larson, you never know. I, I can't be 100% sure. I'm not reporting this. I'm just talking on a podcast, but I don't think it's anything. I don't think Blake Anderson is leaving Utah State really anytime soon, if I'm being honest, unless Utah State doesn't want him to be around anymore, which seems unlikely given his first two years. I, I think that this is probably going to be a pretty long-term uh, marriage between these two. How long? I don't know. I don't know how long he wants to coach for. I don't know if he if he still. I mean, I talked to him at media days over the off season and and asked him straight up what keep what has kept you at the G five level. You could have jumped to P five jobs, and he he said basically that it's a quality of life thing. This is a guy for whom family is very important. Is a guy for whom the comfort of his family is very important, and and he is not a big town person. He's just not. He likes a smaller place. He likes a tighter-knit community. And I think that, that Logan and, and Cash Valley have, have already meant a lot to him. I think that they have been places, I think it's been a place that has offered him a lot of comfort in a time when he needed it, has offered his family a lot of comfort in a time that he needed it. He's been through a lot. I'm not the first to tell you this. He's been through a lot in the last couple of years. And I, I think that 
it would take a lot for him to relocate. I don't think that the math for him is the same as it is for a lot of other coaches. It's just not, he's not a jumper. It's, it's, it's really not, I don't think, in the equation for him to be just jumping at, at the first big job that comes available. You know, it, it has, there, there, there's always going to be a situation where the right job comes open and, and a coach would be interested in it. And I'm sure that there are right jobs for him out there. I don't know what they are. Maybe North Carolina would be one that could come open at some point. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got ties all over the place though. And I, I think that ultimately you don't see his name pop up anywhere. You don't see his name pop up anywhere. None of these coaching searches, none of these articles that you see from Bruce Feldman, from ESPN, from 247, from from whoever is doing coaching search articles at any open job, you don't ever see Blake Anderson on those. And and I I will I I will tell you guys a little bit about how those articles work. If a coach wants to be on those lists, he'll be on them. Alex Grinch has been on a lot of lists this season. It's not because he's a good coach. It's because he has an active agent. It's because he wants to get a bigger job. He wants to be a head coach. Bill O'Brien wants to be a head coach. There's a reason that these names come up. There might be interest. There might be, you know, interest from the prospective schools that they're being mentioned with. That, you know, their agents are pushing them to the schools as well as they're pushing them to the media members. But they those lists are not made just based on, oh, well, this is a good coach in the area. I mean, the, the fan blog ones are, but that's different. That's different than what I'm talking about. Um, those are sourced. Those are based on things that agents have told them, that schools have told them in some cases, but usually agents. Those are usually agent-based lists. It's, it's, you know, you talk to agent, you talk to guys at agencies, agents, you talk to them about which of your candidates are you putting up for this job? You go to a different agency. Which of your candidates are you putting up for this job? You probably have a good relationship with somebody at a specific agency. Maybe Jimmy Sexton's agency in some cases with some reporters. Uh, Some of them, a lot of them maybe even. Uh, And then you run what they tell you. You run what they tell you. You say, well, I've heard that this guy is interested in the job. I've heard that there might be reciprocal interest in, in this guy. I've heard that there might be interest in this guy. And when a coach is never on there... Never. I've not seen Blake Anderson on a single sourced list, ever. I, I mean, that, it just doesn't come up. Auburn, he did not come up. Colorado, he did not come up. Arizona State, he did not come up. How many jobs have opened this offseason? Um, a lot. A lot that I think he would have made sense for. I think Colorado, Arizona State, probably both would have had some interest in Blake Anderson. I think Auburn probably would have had some interest in Blake Anderson. I don't know how much it would have been, but probably some. Some of those teams that are jumping up to the AAC, you know, FAU, um, North Texas, North Texas is one that would make sense. He's, you know, he has a lot of ties to the state. Uh, none of these jobs, he, he was not listed as a candidate for any of them. And I would guess, and I, I really, it's not even a guess. I would tell you it's because he's not interested. If he wanted to be listed on those jobs, he would be, he won a conference championship last year. He's a very good coach. He's a very good football coach. He's very well thought of. It's, it, it's not as simple as just, you know, Oh well, he might he might up and leave for open job X. I, I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I think there are probably a couple jobs he'd jump at, but I don't think any of them are open. And I don't really even think he would take any of them right now. I think maybe in a couple of years it might be more of a more of a thing. But I don't really think he's a two and done kind of guy. If I'm being honest, I don't think that he's a, a three and done kind of guy. 
I think that Utah State is going to have Blake Anderson for a while. I think it can have Blake Anderson probably for as long as it wants Blake Anderson. I, I think he's comfortable where he is. That has been my impression of him. That's been my impression of him from from day one, really. I, 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 that that's my honest that is my honest opinion on Blake Anderson. I don't think that he's the kind of guy who would want to jump to a new job after two years. I just I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think that he likes to be settled. I think that he likes where he lives. I think that he likes Logan. Uh, ultimately, I think he's going to be at Utah State for a while. I, I would I would I would push back against those those the worries that he might depart. I don't think he's going to. I think that that I think if Blake Anderson's going to leave Utah State, it'll either be by retirement or to a very 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 good job, one that was not open this offseason, one that probably won't be open next offseason and one that I honestly don't know if he would even take until 4 or 5 years at a school. I I I just I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, maybe I'm wrong. Not reporting. I don't see it. Okay. Basketball. I'll start with uh, I'll start with the women's team. I think I started with the men's team last time. It's been a while, so I don't remember for sure. But I think I did the men's team to start last time. I'll start with the women's team. Just got to watch them on Tuesday against BYU back at home. Um, wrote up the uh, the cover story that is up as of Thursday afternoon, evening-ish. If you want to go read that, it's free. All women's stories are free. All women's basketball stories are going to be free, uh, hopefully in perpetuity. I, I don't I don't think that that's going to change. Um, I just it's it's uh it's it's for the sake of trying to get more people interested in the team basically is 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 the easiest way that I can explain it. Um that is objectively that's why that's why I'm doing it is is because I want more people to be interested in the team. Uh, I'm hoping that it is good for the growth of the program that more people can read coverage of the team. I think that it is a team that is deserving of coverage even when they are struggling as they are currently. Um, so if you want to read that, it's free. If you are not a subscriber, you can go read that right now. It's on www.theagship.com. It's probably the top post, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, it's the cover story. It's it, it, it kind of talks about what happened in the BYU game. For those of you who did not watch or who do not have not, you know, Reddit or are not up to date on this. Utah State lost to BYU at home on Tuesday, 64 to 54. The story is about really the main thing of the game, which is that Utah State was really strong defensively. Legitimately, the effort was very good. It was not super disciplined, but BYU turned the ball over 32 times, and that has not happened against Utah Utah State from any opponent since at least 2010. It's as far back as the records that I can find go. Um, I think probably in the 80s, 70s and 80s, there was a higher number. It used to be a very different game than it is right now. There are some some individual records in the Utah State Media Guide for steals in a game, and they had 28 against Hawaii or something in 1978. Uh, so I would guess that that game probably went over 32 turnovers. But regardless of the modern era, it is a very high number. It is an un- unreasonably high number of turnovers, and Utah State forced a lot of them. Utah State was very intense, very energetic defensively. The defense, I think, has been taking steps forward. Their press has been getting better. They've been doing doing it correctly. I think they've been doing it closer to what the actual intention for the press is. Um, still too many open shots, too many open looks at the hoop. Specifically, they, they, they are a little bit too aggressive for their own good sometimes in the half court especially, and they leave players open. Sometimes it seems like they're chasing the ball, they're trailing a little bit, and BYU did take advantage of that. I think BYU hit like 55% of its shots, but... 
it took 18 fewer shots than Utah State did. Um, and you might be thinking if you're here, if you're hearing this, just, uh, well, why didn't they win then? Cause they forced 32 turnovers. That's usually going to be enough to win a basketball game. Well, Utah state can't score or shoot or really do anything at all on offense. They, it's bad. The offense is bad. I'm, I'm, there's no point in sugarcoating it. The offense is really, really bad. I thought Kayla Ard had some really good quotes in that in that story um, about the offense where she also did not sugarcoat it. She's not really she's not really one for sugarcoating has been my impression and and she said straight up the offense is bad. They're not scoring. They need to sh- they need to shoot better. They can't win games if they're not going to score. And the offense in all parts has been bad. There are players who have moments of very impressive isolation scoring. Tamaya Robinson has had these moments. Maria Carvalho has had these moments. Olivia Wickstrom, I think, is going to be a really good player, really good scorer, has had these moments. Mason Kimball, Chris Oliva in spots, uh, a little less frequently than some of the other ones. Um, they've all shown the ability to win these one-on-one matchups. The, uh, the issue is that can't be your whole offense, and that's Utah State's whole offense. I'm not kidding. I mean... Watch their game coming up on Saturday, and you'll probably see what I'm talking about unless they've repaired some things really quickly. I'll talk about that game in a minute. Um, there's I mean, there's not any movement. There's no off-ball movement. There's not any. There's none. They don't have it. They don't move off the ball at all. There's no screens. There's Sometimes after a pass, someone will cut to the hoop, but that's about as far as it goes. They just don't move off the ball. They play five out, and no one moves. It's bad. It's bad. It comes out to looking basically like an NBA offense without NBA players. It it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. They're asking. They're the the shots that these players are taking are extremely difficult in most cases, and they're just not going to work. The passing is bad. The off ball movement is bad. It's bad. It looks like they don't really have a plan on offense, and I think that that is going to be a major focus for however long it needs to be a major focus. Because right now it's just not good. It's just not tenable what the offense is doing. There's there's just, they have moments where it looks better. The first quarter against Utah Valley, I thought the ball movement looked really good. I thought the off-ball movement was good, and then it just disappears. It just drops off, and I don't know why. I don't know why that happens. It doesn't seem like they're running plays. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on with that. It's like motion, but there's not any motion. And I'm not just the one, I'm not, it's not just me saying this. I asked, I asked Kayla Ard after the game, what's the focus for off-ball movement right now? And she said that the focus is movement, any movement at all, because there's not any. And the whole offense is based around movement and they just don't have any. And I don't know why. I also don't know why. I don't think she knows why either. I'm guessing that they would really like to know why there's not any off-ball movement happening right now. I would assume that that has been a conversation in the building over this past couple of days and will continue to be a conversation because there's just not any off-ball movement. It's really bad. It's really, really not been good to watch. Um, they they are improving. I'll say that they're improving. They are. They they played a 10-point game against a team that went 26-4 and last season. Is this BYU team that? No. But they're talented. They're plenty talented. They're a good team. They're going to be a good team at some point down the road. They're not right now, but they're capable. This is a top 75 team. Uh, they, they they will get better. They've got an all, you know, potential West Coast Conference Player of the Year in uh, Lauren Gustin. They've got a point guard who I really like. They've got shooting guards who I really like. 
I think that that is going to be a competent team. I think it's already a competent team. And Utah State played them to 10 points and and just couldn't hit enough shots to close the gap down the stretch. But the defense is night and day better than it was at the beginning of the season. Night and day. They're getting better. They are. I, I, I would continue to preach patience here with this team. I think that they are improving. I think that there are chemistry issues on offense. I'm not sure that those fully explain why players just aren't moving, but they're getting better. You can see it. You can see the improvement. I, I, I can see it. They won two games in a row before this loss. They're sitting at three and six right now. They play on Saturday against uh, on the road at Loyola Marymount. Interesting because the men's team is also playing Loyola Marymount, but they're doing it in Las Vegas uh, on Saturday. Um, but the women's team is playing at Loyola Marymount. I think they have a good chance to win this one. Loyola Marymount is 1-8 coming into this game. They are lower ranked in the Her Hoop Stats rankings, which is a great, great place for women's basketball data. That's what I use for everything. Um, that is where I get legitimately all of my advanced stats for them, except for uh, lineup data, which is pivot analysis. I don't know if I've ever said that in the game notebooks or anything. I probably should. But pivot, pivot analysis is the other one that I use for lineup data. Um, but as for as for this game, the, the players to know, really, for Loyola Marymount, if there are some um ariel johnson point guard is pretty good she's okay she's she's not shot the ball super well from three to this point but she's been better at the rim decent decent enough passer she's had trouble with turnovers but she's a pretty good defender she's averaging 13.1 points per game uh nicole rodriguez also in the backcourt she is their best shooter as of right now at least from three she's hitting 22 of 51 threes she's the only player on the team with more than six made threes this season They've not been very good, if you can't tell. They've not been very good. Um, but she's pretty good. She's a pretty good shooter. She will pre- she will present some issues on the outside for, for Utah State, and she doesn't turn the ball over very much, which is also a credit to her. Um, other than that, there's there's not a ton. Alexis Mark in the front court is, is fine. She's okay. She's an okay scorer. She's... she's capable from outside. She doesn't shoot from outside very much. She's their best rebounder at 5.7 rebounds per game, which is not very high. Um, and then uh, Carrie Clark is their leading defender for interior defense and blocks, but she only has 3.5 rebounds per game, which is troubling for your for your big. Uh, they're okay. They, there's, there are some players here who I think are, are okay, who have some talent. Um, Loyola Marymount has not beaten a Division One team to this point. Uh, I would guess that Utah State's going to win this game. I think Utah State's probably going to going to chalk up win number four this weekend, and then we'll have a ten day break between that and its next game, which is against Eastern Washington, also on the road. I think they're probably going to win that one too, and uh, finish the non conference slate five and six. It's not perfect. It's a weird way to get there, but I think that they would be okay with that given the way that it started. Um, winning, what would that be? Two, four, four of its last five in non conference play. I think. Yeah, four of its last five. Uh, you'd be fine with that. I think if you're if you're Utah State, you'll understand that with the one loss being to BYU. I think that they have fixed some things, some fundamental issues that were causing losses earlier on in the season, defensively specifically. Now they just need to hit shots, and they need to set themselves up better to hit shots because they've not been in great positions right now. Men's team. Okay, men's team. Where to start? Uh, I'll probably start with the San Francisco game. Um I don't know how to I don't know how to best phrase this without sounding completely hyperbolic. 
because I, I, this team does, I, I, I'm not ready to say that this is like a national contender or anything like that. I've not seen them play against a truly elite team or anything like that. We've seen what, I think one, one or two Q2 matchups, one or two, maybe more than that. I don't know. Uh, they've played some decent teams. I think Bradley's okay. I think Santa Clara is going to be pretty good. Um, uh, San Francisco, San Diego, I think are both pretty good teams. This game, this win over San Francisco on Sunday, I think, Sunday night, that sounds right, I think it was on Sunday night, um, I was, I was at a, at a kind of a loss for words while watching this one, um, I'm still kind of at a loss for words, I wrote a game notebook about it, but I'm still not fully sure if I understand this result, if I understand how Utah State did this, how they won this game so much, um, by so much, they won it 82 to 64. They did it hitting five threes. They pretty much did not use Stephen Ashworth. He was the primary ball handler as much as he could be, but against a very, very good on-ball defender in Khalil Shabazz, they, they kind of tried to keep the ball away from him as much as they could. I'm not just talking out of turn here. Ryan Odom said this. Um, and so they were they were relying on some other guys who have not scored as much this season. They were without Ryland Jones, who I think would be usually the guy who you would put in that ball handler role, and that would be fine because you don't need him to be a scorer like they need Stephen Ashworth usually. Um, San Francisco was running them off the three-point line, was locking out to make sure that nobody was shooting threes, that the threes that did go up were not going in. Utah State hit five threes, five of 19. I think I'm going off of memory here. Um, and won by 18 points on the road against a top 100 team. Hit five threes. This is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They were the best three-point shooting team in the country going into this game. I don't know if they still are. Um, I don't know what to do with that information. That is a That is the kind of win that a team preparing to storm through the mountain west would make would have i'm talking about run the table level of quality to be doing that on the road without your starting point guard against two a a team with two really good guards and utah state just crushed them crushed them it was not competitive there was a moment in the second half where San Francisco started to close in, and then Utah State just ended the game. And they didn't even do it from three like they usually do. They played defense, and they got to the rim. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable performance. It, it was the kind of win that answered a lot of questions that I had about what this team would look like on an off night. What this team would look like when the three wasn't falling, when it was being run off the line, when it didn't have Ryland Jones. And it came out and won by 18 points on the road against a team that I think could contend to be a tournament team this year. San Francisco's a good team. Really good team. And Utah State played, I mean, pretty much the opposite of its style. Didn't have a whole lot of assists. I think it was 11 assists on 31 makes. The lowest assist percentage or assist rate in Ryan Odom's tenure at Utah State by far, easily the lowest, only time below forty percent. It was thirty-five point three, I think, thirty-five point five. I've got all these numbers bouncing around in my head. It's no wonder I can't remember anything else. I just have basketball stats in my head, football stats, things like that. Um, 
but uh, regard, I mean, just played a different style of basketball entirely than what they have played for the last two years. But this guy has coached for his entire career. They did something completely different on the road, on the fly, without their starting point guard, and they won by 18 points. I want to. I'm trying to. I want to really emphasize this as much as I can. That is unbelievable. That is the kind of thing that title contenders do. I'm not there yet with these guys. I've not seen that yet. I want to see them against a really good team. But, I mean, goodness gracious, how good are they? How good is this team, man? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yet. I think they might be really good. I, I know that I've gotten on here and said that they're good, but that is a that was a statement win. And then some. To go out and do it like that and to do it as dominant as they did it, they looked like a completely different team and they were just as good at that as they are at their own thing. I mean, Dan Aachen as a, as a rim runner, uh, Max Schulga as the penetration guard, as the driver, as the explosive on-ball, you know, ball-handling guard who can finish at the rim. Uh, Sean Berstow as the wing who can slash. I mean, these are guys who would who would be... This would be a sufficient system for a different team. If you just had those three guys, you'd be good at doing this. You'd be good at doing this, absolutely. I don't think they would be as good as Utah State is, obviously, because Utah State is a lot more dynamic than that. But Utah State had a different kind of team prepared for this game. It prepared itself as a different style of team. It has the players that it can just do that. Utah State, when it needs to, against a team that's running them off the line, has a has a penetration point guard, has an explosive point guard who can finish at the rim, has a rim-running center <laughs> who can score 19 points. Dan Hawkins scored 19 points on 8 of 10 shooting. Uh, like this, is a, this would be a good penetration, like dribble penetration team. Just based on that game, this would be a good dribble penetration team. I think they would challenge in the Mountain West. They wouldn't win it, but they would be good. They have a good defense. That's a, that's a good team. And then, oh, wait, this team also has Steven Ashworth, also has Taylor Funk, also maybe the best three-point shooting team in the country, also has Ryland Jones, didn't play in this game, also has Zihamoda, also has, like, all these guys who weren't really factors in this game. Uh, and, you know, this team that, that was able to, to do the, the dribble-drive penetration to beat... Uh, defense that was defending the perimeter, uh, that's the best passing team in America. That's the best passing team in America. That's the highest assist rate last season and probably going to be the highest assist rate again this season. They didn't even need to do it. They didn't even need to pass. They can win with ISO ball. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, where did these guys pick this up? Oh, my God. They're so good. I'm, like, giddy talking about this basketball team i love watching them play they're so much fun to watch they're they're so good oh they're so good they play such a fun brand of basketball and they're so good oh my gosh i don't know if it's registered fully with utah state fans just how good this team is i'm telling you they're really good I know that there's there's always going to be caution that this time in the season, you know, oh the 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 you know the quality of opponent is not going to be reflective of what you see in the Mountain West. I know, I get it. San Diego State looms large, but I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of non-conferences. I've seen a lot of non-conference slates for college basketball teams. I've seen a lot of college basketball teams. This is a good team. This is a really really good team. This is a deep team. This is a team that can beat you in a lot of ways. This is a team that 
when it is locked in, is very good defensively. They were very, very, very good defensively against San Francisco. And that was, I mean, just flip of a switch. It had been an issue for a couple games. They went out and they turned it off. They said, nope, you can't shoot on us anymore. We're not going to let you. I mean, Stephen Ashworth was unbelievable on defense. He played against a very good player in, in Khalil Shabazz, very good scorer, a guy who's averaging 15-plus a game. He shut him down. Stephen Ashworth is not considered like a very good defender usually. He shut him down. He's a good defender now. I mean, his, his on-offs, he was the best defender on the, on the court for Utah State. Max Shulga was the best offensive player by a country mile for Utah State. He's, he's, a, he's a great passer now. He, he's, he's confident enough to take guys off the dribble, use the athleticism and the explosiveness that he has, and he was finishing at the rim. Uh, I don't know what you do to beat this team. I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't seem like there's a great option right now. I, I, They've got Loyola Marymount on Saturday in Vegas. Like I said, Loyola Marymount's a pretty good team, eight and three. They've got a couple of couple of pretty good players. They've got um, former Ohio State winger Justin Ahrens, who is doing literally the exact same thing here that he did at Ohio State, which is that he kind of an inefficient three-point shooter who only shoots threes and kind of just eats minutes. He's not a very good player, if I'm being honest. Nice guy, but not a very good player. Um, but they do have some players here who I think are pretty legitimately pretty good. Cam Shelton's averaging 18-plus a game as a, as a, as a point guard. Um, Kelly Leo Pepe, Leo Pepe, I think is how you say it. Um, he is the uh, – let me get up my depth chart. He's power forward. Yeah, power forward. 6'6", 240 power forward. He's a senior. He's averaging 15.1 points per game, 7.0 rebounds. He's good. He's a good player. These are two very good players. I think Jalen Anderson's a pretty good player as well. Chance Stevens is sort of their shooter off the bench. He's been good. Uh, this is a good team. Legitimately, this is a good team. I think Utah State's going to run it. I think Utah State's going to have no problems here. I, I, I think that maybe I'm getting too confident from what I saw against the San, in, in the San Francisco game, but... Man, that was impressive. That was an impressive, impressive game. <laughs> that was not what I was expecting to see. I really, I really did not think that that was going to be the case. Um, Loyola Marymount shoots threes more often than Utah State does and is uh, almost 10 percentage points worse at it. Utah State is averaging 1.44 points per uh, points scored scored per shot to 1.25 for Loyola Marymount. Assist-to-turnover rate is not even close for Loyola Marymount. I mean, there's just not there's not a whole lot that would be in Loyola Marymount's favor for this game. The defense there is not very good. I think it's going to have a lot of issues in this game. It might be kind of a shootout. Utah State maybe has some hangover after that big performance, but I think ultimately Utah State's just a good team, just a really good team, and really good teams go out and win games like this. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're probably going to do it pretty comfortably. I don't know when they're going to lose, if I'm being honest. I mean, you, you could look at the... Let me pull up the schedule. Um, I think they're probably going to set the, the new program record for best start, if I'm being honest, because um, they need to get to 10 and 0. Best start ever is 9 and 0 in 1919-1920. I'm remembering my game notes correctly. Um, yeah, next up here you got Loyola Marymount, which I think is going to be a win. 8 and 0. Westminster, Wait and Weber State, both probably. I mean, 
<laughs> probably not a probably about it. Both wins. That's 10-0. That would be the best start in program history right there. That's all they need. They need to be, they, If they beat Loyola Marymount on Saturday, they will have the best start in program history. After that, uh, Seattle in a neutral site, which I think is a, is a, is a pretty good team, but I, I think Utah State's probably going to be favored pretty comfortably there. Fresno State at home, probably a win. Air Force on the road could be tricky, but I wouldn't bet against them. I wouldn't I wouldn't pick Air Force to win that game. I think Utah State probably wins that. Air Force is fine. They're okay. They're not great. They're they're what are they, six and four. Yeah, they're they're fine. It's a it's a road game in in the conference, and that's always going to be a a notable thing, but I think that it would be only notable because of that, because it's a it's a road game in the conference. I think the first game legitimately that Utah State might be an underdog is underdog in after that San Francisco game, which I I think they were underdogs in, um, is at Boise State on January seventh. Um, I think that could be that could be a game that they lose. That could be a game where they are where they are underdogs. Currently, forty five percent chance on BartTorvik.com. That it would be a let's see eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen that would be a thirteen and zero start. They are they're currently not favored in three games on Bartorovic. Boise State on the road, San Diego State on the road, and UNLV on the road. They're favored against San Diego State at home. They're favored against Colorado State on the road. They're favored against Fresno State on the road. Favored against Nevada on the road. Uh, let's see. Wyoming on the road, Boise State at home, like they're San Diego State at home. Uh, they, they, I, I think that this could be a very good year for Utah State, a year to remember for Utah State. Projected record right now on Bartorovic is twenty three and six. I would probably go higher than that. I would probably go higher than that right now. As as it currently stands, from what I've seen, I would go higher than that. I don't know that they're losing six games on this schedule. It's also December. We'll see. We'll see. Not going to count these chickens before they hatch, but I think it could be a special year for Utah State. Based on what I have seen from this team, I think they're very good. I think that they are very, very good. Very, very good. I think that they are worth taking seriously at this point as a team that is very good, as one that won't just fizzle out, as one that won't be disappointing down the stretch. I think you can invest some emotional weight into this team and that they will not just disappoint you if that makes sense i these guys i think are worth it i think that this is a very talented very good utah state team i think they're only going to get better cannot wait to see what they do next very very excited to watch these guys keep playing very excited to watch the women's team continue to improve i think there's there's two fun teams playing right now uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm enjoying covering basketball season. I hope that you all are enjoying my coverage. I'm glad to be back here on the podcast, hopefully more consistently. Again, apologies for my absence. Um, that'll do it here. Thank you all for listening. www.theagship.com, the Agship on Twitter, the Agship on Facebook. I don't actually post on there. It's just automated posts, but it's on there if you need it. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff coming soon. Subscribe. Love to have you. Uh, and I will talk to you all in the next one.